Father, um, just pray for this morning. Just ask, Lord, that you speak through me and Bree. Um, that your words that you put on our heart um, would be helpful and encouraging um, to our body. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. And just pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. So... Me and Bree are going to speak. It's our last message that we're going to speak on missions. As you know, um, Bree's going to talk about this a little bit more, but as you know, me and her are planning to go overseas. Yeah, so we are planning to leave um, probably by the end of May to go overseas. Um, but we are leaving California March 20th. And so this is our last time speaking. And if anybody knows me, what am I going to speak about? I, this is, raise your hand if you know. What? Story of God. Right? This is what, like, my heart's desire is to walk with, walk you guys through the Bible and show you from Genesis to Revelation that God's heart has always been about reaching the nations and we're included in that. So I was sitting down thinking, okay, how am I going to say that again in a different way? And then God completely took me a different way. So I'm not going to speak about the story of God. Um, the word that kept coming up when I was kind of reflecting what do I want to leave you guys with really shocked me and the word is fear like why why, am I, why, why do I talk about fear you know it's kind of weird to me I'm like God why do you want me to talk about fear and when I'm talking about fear I'm talking about that real that sense that you get that dread that anxiety you know where you can like feel sick to your stomach sometimes it's so bad it paralyzes you you don't want to move most of the time for me I have to go to the bathroom that kind of fear and why does God want to talk about this and so I'm asking God and he reminded me of three stories so I'll talk about these stories and then we'll move on so the first story it's 2009 or 2010 I'm sitting at Starbucks in Simi Valley Britt is across the way from me and he asked me a question and he says Mark when are you going to come to Canoga Park and right then I got that feeling I, I got to go to the bathroom <laughs> you know I got that scared fear that, that gut I don't know how to say it, that just that just almost paralyzed me you see the context was Britt has been meeting me for the last I think seven weeks or something like that or the summer and he kept saying, hey, you want to come to Canoga Park and be a part of what God is doing? Uh, Livingstones wasn't a church then, but we're there meeting and then had a vision to love Lanark Park. And I was like, yeah, I want to go. The very first meeting. And the second meeting, he asked the same question. I go, yeah, yeah, I want to go. And I keep pushing it off. You see, I was living with this real fear. I was afraid of the future. 
I was like, oh, I actually have to go over there. I was in Simi Valley. I was comfortable. I had a lot of friends there. I can, you know, I, you know had a fun house. Um, I knew God wanted me to go to Canoga Park, but uh, I wanted to wait till the perfect time. I wanted uh, not to be afraid anymore. I was afraid of the process. I knew it was going to be hard. I didn't know where I was going to live. I didn't have a good job. Again, I was scared. I was totally scared. Um, I was afraid of being alone. I had I lived with a bunch of guys and none of them wanted to come. And so I was like, where am I going to go and come to the park? Um, I don't know anybody there. So I was pretty terrified. Fast forward 2014, 2015. 2014. And I'm sitting again, but this time I'm in Brit's room. Brit's uh, living room. I'm on the couch. And then I ask him a question. And I ask him, should I marry her? <laughs> you see, I met the love of my life, Brie. I wanted to marry her. Um, but you have all these kind of doubts and questions. And Brit says, you don't need my permission to marry her. But as your elder, I command you to marry her. <laughs> you see... Again, I had that fear, like, oh my gosh, this is real. This is going to happen. I, I was afraid, again, of the future. Um, oh my gosh, I have to get a full-time job. I have to have responsibilities, insurance, all these things that come with marriage. i losing control. I have to serve someone more than myself. Um, so that was a big fear and it almost paralyzed me it held me off from actually proposing fast forward to about two weeks ago sitting in my boss's office handing him my two weeks notice telling him I'm going to go overseas and again that fear came up what am I doing? Um, I'm giving up a pretty steady job, not my career job, not my dream job, but has has paid the bills. I'm going into an unknown future. I don't know what's going to happen. I have an idea. And is this a mistake? And all these questions and all these fears coming up, and it was almost paralyzing. So as you can tell, all these three stories God reminded me of. And what's the common denominator in all these three stories? Fear, right? Right, the word. I was afraid. Literally afraid. I almost like, I kept pushing off with Brit. I kept, with marriage, I kept pushing off. I'm like, I don't actually want to take this step. Right? And for a long time, I thought, in order to be a good Christian, or a good worker overseas or missionary I have to be fearless that you have to be fearless you have to live without fear because if you believe God is strong and powerful why would you be afraid if you truly believe in the gospel of Jesus why would you be afraid but in each story the Lord was patient and he pushed me. With Brit, as Brit can tell, I was afraid for a while. It paralyzed me. But eventually, I did come over to Canoga Park. God pushed me. I was afraid to ask Brie, but eventually, I did. Now I'm married and have a son. And 
It's great. I quit my job two weeks. I mean, I'm still working, but I'm going to quit my job in about a week. And I'm afraid. But what God has taught me is that the Christian life is not one that is absent of fear. It is not. I think of Moses. Moses in Exodus 4 or 3, he's in the burning bush, he's talking to God. God's basically saying, hey, I want you to go to Egypt, to the most powerful man on earth, and I want you to tell them, let my people go. And basically Moses like says, I'm afraid, don't send me. Right? And then God says, alright Moses, get out of here. No, he doesn't, he doesn't say that. No. In fact, he works with Moses' fear. He says, you know what? I, you know, I'm sure he was mad at Moses. But he said, you know what? I'm going to give you Aaron to speak for you. You see, I see your fear. I'm going to work with your fear. I'm going to push you through that fear. So Aaron was the one that had to go to Pharaoh. Right? And I, and I love that. And that, that truth really frees me up. Because I feel like in the church we can't say, I'm afraid. I feel like we can't go to God sometimes. Maybe we can in our private times go to God and say, I am afraid, I'm scared, I don't want to do it. But we can't tell each other and say, you know what, I'm totally scared. Like I'm scared right, I was scared right now to come up and talk. <laughs> I went to the bathroom. <laughs> right? And again, the Christian life is not one absent of fear. But it is one where fear is no longer on the throne. And no longer controls the way you make decisions. Why? Because there's something greater than fear that is on the throne. Right? We live in a culture where fear dominates. We're afraid of what people say, so we don't talk. We're afraid of failure, so we want success. We're afraid of whatever, X, Y, and Z, so we do this. We're afraid, you know, like even in the church. We're afraid to meet with one another, so we don't. Because we can be vulnerable, because it can be hard. For me, right, I was afraid, even with starting our youth group, I was afraid to meet with the youth. But God still pushed me through that. And that's why I think John can say, I don't have the actual verse, but basically, perfect love casts out fear. I used to look at that and I hate that verse because, man, I'm still afraid, so I don't know perfect love. But that's not what John's saying. He's saying, he knows fear is a real thing that every human being deals with. Right? And that this perfect love can come in and cast out any fear because it's greater than that fear. So if you guys are afraid or you live with fear, you're just like everyone else. <laughs> and in the church and in Christ, you can say, I'm afraid. But fear no longer controls me. Jesus does. And that's... Why do I say that? I'm talking about missions. It's because I'm scared to go overseas. 
I am scared of the future. I am scared. I mean, people, we've talked about Laos, we've talked about the country, and they'll always ask us, aren't you scared? And I always go, yes. And they're always like, what? You're a missionary, you can't be scared. No, I can be scared. But I know someone greater than fear, greater than being scared. And so that's what I want to leave with you guys. Wherever you are, your follower of Jesus, you will come to the point where you will be afraid and you will feel paralyzed. You don't have to stay there. You can move through there. You can trust in God. I mean, look back in my life, those three stories, God provided every single time. And He continues to, and I know He will. So that's why I, I pray for you guys. I ask that if you're afraid, don't, don't be crushed by that. Walk through it through with Jesus and with, with each other. So now Bree come up and speak what she has been teaching. That was great, Mark. Thanks. Um, so... Um, we are expecting to leave California in about two months and expecting to leave the United States in about four months. Um, and I'm going to share from a totally different perspective than Mark. Um, I'm going to talk about our goodbyes. Okay, so um, goodbyes are really hard. They're going to be very hard. We haven't talked a lot about that here. Um, an example. I meet Grace. Every Monday for like four years. Not a ton of exceptions. No hay muchas veces que no nos hemos Just that time in the week, missing that time, sí. saying goodbye to that time with Grace. It's going to be hard. Eso va a estar it's going to be hard because Eso we've shared a lot together difícil. in that time. Hemos mucho en ese we've worked through a lot of issues. Hemos muchos um, muchos we've enjoyed a lot of food. Hemos <laughs> mucha um, but Pero, in my relationship with Grace, en mi con Grace, there is a hopefulness for our suffering. There is a reason, a mission, and a purpose for that goodbye and that suffering. And even an excitement. 1 Peter 5, um, 10 through 11 says, In His kindness, God called you to share in His eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, He will restore, support, and strengthen you. And He will place you on a firm foundation, all power to Him forever. In su bondad, Dios nos llamó a ustedes a quien participen de su gloria eterna por medio de Cristo Jesús. 
Entonces, después de, de que hayan sufrido un poco de tiempo, Él los restaurará, los sostendrá, los fortalecerá y los afirmará sobre un fundamento sólido. A Él sea todo, todo el poder para siempre. Amén. So there's this suffering, Entonces hay este sufrimiento, but it's only going to last our lifetimes. Pero nomás va, vamos a pasarlo en estas vidas. We get to do this forever together. Esto lo podemos hacer para siempre, like, we'll continue to eat vamos a and to share. And there won't be brokenness in it. So, um, where I am right now is processing through this going with people who don't have that eternal hope. Um, People who don't understand why. Um, we're causing grief and heartache and there's nowhere for them to place it. Nowhere for people to rationalize it. A small biblical example. Um, Moses was leading people through the desert they were uncomfortable and frustrated they couldn't see the full picture and they weren't very happy with him our actions I'm realizing without an eternal perspective help play into lies that doubt people's goodness. Lies like, God is taking what we love. He can't possibly be a good God. God's followers abandon their families. He can't possibly be good. God's followers feel obligated to leave their lives. Following Him seems awful. Um, these lies play into a very normal pain. And it together builds itself into this what seems to me so counterproductive I can't stop it I can't grant a sudden perspective I can't just say here's the eternal hope take it suffer with us for a time because it's all of their time to people without an eternal perspective so I've been thinking about entonces he estado pensando what to relate that to. 
And I, I thought about a kid who wants a snack before dinner. You're the adult in the situation. You say no. We're about to have dinner. You can't have a snack. And the kid's flailing and screaming. It's ugly. You're like, oh, I just want to give in, give him a snack. It's just going to be five minutes. You just got to finish seasoning stuff. And so, the, I'm going away, I'm diverting from the nuts. Um, there's, for me, this extra level of trust in God in this process it's not just for here for us who have the eternal perspective um, it's not just for those that we're going to to have faith that God would use our lives but that the suffering here um, would have purpose too para los que están aquí que también tengan su propósito. Ah, thanks. Um, okay. Matthew 13:44 through 46. Capítulo 13, versículo 44 al 46. Says this. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Then 45 says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant out on, uh, on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he had and bought it. El reino del cielo es como un tesoro escondido que un hombre descubrió en un campo en medio de su entusiasmo lo escondió nuevamente y vendió todas sus posiciones a fin de juntar el dinero suficiente para comprar el campo. Además, el reino del cielo es como un comerciante en busca de perlas de primera calidad. Cuando descubrió una perla de gran valor, vendió todas sus posiciones y la compró. Um. The kingdom of God is awesome. El reino del cielo está like, having a relationship with Jesus is a treasure. It's a pearl of great value. Es una perla de gran valor. And it's exciting. Y es so, um, we're going to transition to communion with those thoughts in mind um, the excitement of the kingdom of God this for eternity his suffering and what we get because of Jesus died on the cross